Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. This is episode 584. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 850 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S.-grown, fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgrowflowers.com. And thank you to Cal Flowers, the leading floral trade association in California, providing valuable transportation and other benefits to flower growers and the entire floral supply chain in California and 48 other states. The association is a leader in bringing fresh cut flowers to the U.S. market and in promoting the benefits of flowers to new generations of American consumers. Learn more at CAFGS.org. Well, I'm so thrilled today to share my recent conversation with Dee Hall. Dee is the owner and creative energy who operates a specialty cut flower and urban micro farm in Norfolk, Virginia, and it's called Mermaid City Flowers. Dee is featured in Black Flora by Teresa J. Spate, published by Bloom Imprint earlier this year. She's quoted in the opening lines of the book saying, I wanted people to know my business is rooted in joy. I wanted to take something I love and share it. Flowers are beautiful, but they also serve such a practical environmental function. I feel lucky to be a steward of the garden. Dee follows sustainable regenerative growing practices and has a special interest in native perennials. Her floral enterprise grows blooms for local customers, mostly sold through CSA subscriptions and as everyday arrangements for local delivery. Dee is collaborative and community-minded, having founded two important floral groups, the Tidewater Flower Collective, an organization providing continuing farming education, farm visits, and efforts to connect consumers with the source of their flowers in her region, and Black Flower Farmers, an online virtual community of black specialty cut flower farmers found on Instagram and through the website blackflowerfarmers.com. Lucky for me, Dee traveled from Virginia to Washington State last month to attend and design the flowers for a friend's wedding here. She had time to swing by the Slow Flowers Cutting Garden on her way back to the airport, so we enjoyed lunch together inside my greenhouse, followed by a conversation we recorded for you. Let's jump right in and get started. I know you'll enjoy this conversation. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast, and I'm coming to you from my greenhouse in my backyard in Des Moines, Washington, with my special guest, Dee Hall. Hi, Dee. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for coming over. I'm so excited to be here. I know, all the way from Virginia. Yes. 
Um, Dee is the uh, farmer florist and owner of Mermaid City Flowers, right? Yes. Okay, and you're in? Norfolk, Virginia. Norfolk, Virginia. And why are you in Seattle right now? Um, one of my best friends got married over the weekend, and so I was here for the wedding, and I was like, you know what? I'll do the flowers. And so it was an opportunity to you know, meet with local growers and have some locally grown flowers for this wedding. It's oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, your friend's so Dahlia lucky. Dahlia season right now, and the dahlias here are just <clears throat> incomparable. Yes. Did you get your hands on any um, specialty mums? I did. I did. Another cool Lots thing. of, yeah. They're just gorgeous colors right now. She wanted a dark, moody palette, which is perfect for this time of year. It just worked out really well. Well, when we air this, uh, I'd love to show a few photos from that wedding. Okay, great. Well, we met uh, on Instagram, which is, I guess, how most people meet, yes. and I just reached out to you, and then we met in person, fortunately, yeah. in, in at August yeah. at the ASCFG conference. But prior to that, um, some people may have seen you in the pages of Black Flora yes. by our friend Terry Spade, yes. and uh, that was just such a privilege to have you in that yeah, book. Yeah, I absolutely, you know, really loved being a part of it and getting to know Terry and you and all the other growers and, you know, other creatives featured. It has been fantastic. I know. Yeah. I know. We need volume two now yeah. for all the people we missed. For sure. Well, you're going to help me with that, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, give everyone a snapshot of uh, Mermaid City uh, flowers and what? where did that name come from, anyway? Um, so Norfolk is known as the Mermaid City. We are along the Chesapeake Bay, lots of rivers, lots of water nearby. Um, and also, uh, Norfolk is kind of famous for having mermaid statues everywhere. That, uh, so it's kind of commissioned about 20, well, a little over 20 plus years ago. And so, um, so it's the thing. Yes. And it's also a Navy town. So, you know, there's kind of that thematic element of the kind of, you know, um, water-related. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's certainly a way to let people know that you're hyper-local, right? For certain, and I wanted something that reflected that, you know, I grow where I'm planted, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you do grow where you're planted because you're growing where you live, right? I do. So I grow in um, my residential neighborhood. I have, like, a large lot at my house, and... Um, I have a few other neighbors, so it started off with my neighbor across the street saying, hey, you know, I like flowers, but I don't know what I'm doing, and I know you're doing this, so if you'd like my space, I'd be happy to offer it to you. Oh. Um, oh. He has these beautiful raised beds with drift tape that he's hooked up to rain barrels and on a, a pump system, like an irrigation system, which is pretty cool, and then um, my garden is forward-facing, so I'm always outside and pretty visible and then more people started seeing oh hey if you need more space I've got space there and it's kind of gone from there so I'm just I'm like if you see me walking up and down with my gorilla cart in the neighborhood and my straw hat you know just wave just say hello wow it's truly a community garden you have for sure yeah I love I really love my neighborhood and um I'm happy that I live in a community that's so supportive of, of one another and also of you know local the locally grown flower movement yeah yeah well how roughly with all those parcels added up how much acreage do you think you have is still under an acre under an acre still yeah. yeah i'm in the process of expanding for next year so i don't know where i'll i'll be i'm trying not to take too much on because it's still just me but um, i put out a call for space a few weeks ago and i've gotten some you know 
say, hey, I've got this space and I'm not doing anything with it. Would love to, you know, would love to have you use it if you'd like to, you know. That's um, so yeah. cool. When I first heard about that concept, uh, years ago I met this gal named Sarah Nixon. Yes. From Toronto. Yes. And uh, her her whole classified, classified ad uh, yeah. language was, you know, flower-seeking gardens. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was kind of a cute way to... Yeah. And she was getting people who she didn't know mm-hmm. offer her plants. Yeah. So you're keeping it closer to home. I am for now. I like... Um, I, Sarah and I have spoken, though. Oh, okay. And um, I think her requirement was, like, something she can drive to within, like, about five minutes. And right now I'm keeping it at that. But, you know, willing to expand, mm-hmm. you know, based on need and, you know, Well... As I understand it, and I'm pr- I'm lucky that I kind of know the story because I edited Black Flora, but there was this sort of moment where your horticulture gardening passion morphed into flower farming. Can you talk right. a little bit how that happened? So it happened when I was looking for flowers for my wedding. I was, you know, contacting florists, you know, the wedding was going to be in the spring, and I was saying, well, you know, this is what's seasonal, and I know I want like this, 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 and this. Because you already knew what would, would yeah, be Yeah, I knew what would be in bloom as a gardener, and I wanted the flowers to be locally grown. The wedding was a botanical garden, and so um, the weddings there are sustainable only. So usually, you know, like you, you can't, you have single-use plastics and that type of thing. And oh, I, wow. I really wanted the flowers to kind of match the venue and just the ideas that I have about, you know sustainability in the local movement and I couldn't find anybody local that had you know a flower farm where I can have the volume for a wedding and so what you envisioned because you knew yes what was going to bloom when yes yeah and so I was like well you know I I grow some flowers um you know and at that point I had a lot that was kind of shaded and then we had some trees removed that were not healthy that kind of opened up my ability to have a larger space and you know it kind of took off from there um so I had this space I started growing you know it was kind of like why why not well nobody else is doing it look around yeah why not me and it it kind of uh spiraled from there wow what uh year was that that you kind of launched um like end of uh, 2019 like you know 2020 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you know it's been an interesting uh, crazy timing right yeah it's been an interesting time to start a business um but it's done well i've found a lot of support from my my community or people who didn't realize you know like Oh, like flower farms in the U.S. or a thing? Oh, you can do that like here and not mm-hmm. like out. You know, we are surrounded by, you know, larger agricultural areas, and so people always associate uh, growing anything, you know, with large scale operations. And you know, I have a much smaller scale operation, yeah. but you know, yeah. it's working for me. And because of um, what I do, I've had the opportunity to start a local growers collective. You know, there are about 25 of us That's now amazing. throughout the area, all within about an hour's drive. And so I tell people, you know, if for some reason I don't have the flowers, I can probably still get you flowers that are pretty local considering the other options with one of the, you know, from one of the other growers in my collective. Let's just talk about that a little bit because there's so many different models for these sort of flower hubs. Is this it's super structured or is it kind of casual or like how did you this one set is, it up? Yeah, so it's informal. I just 
found people through Instagram, and I was like, oh, hey, you live here. You want to be my flower friend? Huh? Um, and I it kind it. of uh, went it's from there. Thing you're not shy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they were all like, sure. And they kept saying, yeah, okay. And then, you know, people found me on Instagram, heard about me or heard about the group, and um, it kind of just evolved organically. Um, it's, you know... It's in pretty informal, but like this weekend they actually had, I'm sad not to be there, one of the growers is hosting like an end of season um, dinner for all the other growers oh, on our farm. Oh, so, I mean, I love that. We have occasional get-togethers. We will do, you know, design workshops. We are trying to do more formal things, but you know, like during the growing season especially, it's no just... Time. Yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. So at this time of year and throughout the winter, it's it's better for us to do, um, you know, to try to get together and, and have any events. What's it called? T the Tidewater Flower Collective. Okay. Yeah. And is there like a, a one day a week where you all bring your, what you've just harvested? Or is it more of an online um, It's more of an online. We have a chat. We did work on a co-op this year and it, it kind of fizzled out. We'll see if we'll oh, try yeah, to start. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was the Tidewater Flower Co-op, and we may give it a shot again next okay. year. But I think it was just like a logistical, it was difficult. I mean, it's difficult to coordinate lots of different people, you know, bringing all yeah. their things and then also getting all the local florists and designers on board um, with local flowers. We've been lucky in that we have some, like there's one designer in particular who has committed to using 60% local flowers at least. And I know she buys from a lot of the, the local growers weekly and it's stuff that she can't, you know, sometimes I'll freelance for her and, you know, boxes arrive and, you know, like 30, 40% of the material is unusable. And when you have local flowers, every single thing that has been harvested is available for use. Yeah, you have 100% yeah. usability. That's such a good point. I forget to mention that in terms of the fact that there's just so much shrink and loss right. with imported flowers For because sure. of the way that they're they yeah. have to be shipped. Yeah. Um, that's so interesting. Now, do you wholesale to florists too? I do not wholesale to florists. Um, I mostly do. I have subscription services. That's gone really well. I'm changing my subscription model a, a little next year. Um, and I do weddings, events, workshops I did a lot of this year. It's fun teaching. I got to do a lot of workshops, especially for a youth group. And it, I mean, I really loved working with teenagers. Yeah. It's like, like, here, is this, is this cool? Is this good? But they, <laughs> you know, they obviously want to make something that's pretty and they find it cool. You know, you grew this here. I can grow these. I used to grow flowers with my grandmother. I love talking to people about oh, flowers so and hearing the stories of how, you know, they feel connected. They just need a little encouragement. They do. And not to look silly, they do. right? Yeah, I'm like, don't worry. I have a teenager at home, and he's, you know, he's in the flowers, so he'll be like, Mom, do you have uh, hydrangeas? My friend likes hydrangeas. Oh, so that's cute. cute. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. he's going to have everybody up yes. on flowers. Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting. So the, seat, the, the, the main launch when you really formalized as a business was the subscription program then that was sort of yes your primary subscription business. and i was doing farmer's market i did not do um farmer's market this year i filled in for some other growers as needed but you know i find um i just like it better for me you know especially with the small scale like for farmer's market i don't have a cooler right so for me it takes like a full two days of prep and then you know i have all this product and it has to 
to move or else I have to figure out what Yeah, happens. and Virginia can get hot and muggy, right? It absolutely can. Summers can be brutal. So then um, your flowers would just yeah, fade away. Yeah. yeah, so um, I found the subscription to be much more successful. In fact, my son, I hired him this year as my delivery driver, too, and he improved my my process, I do have to say that. He was like, there's too much water. The paper comes off if you do this. So he really had a lot to say yeah. about helping to improve my my process. And I was like, okay. I'll yeah, take it. yeah, you family know. business. Yeah. Um, so that is it that people, what, what, what is this, the way that that's set up? Is it every season? It's spring, or? yeah, I have spring, summer, and fall. And um, uh, it's every two weeks and I have like two two different sizes and then I have a monthly one too so okay. starting whenever I first have flowers this year it was March the tulips I had two tulips a few weeks earlier than everyone else they were just in a nice warm spot and they popped and people you know, snatched them up people were hungry for colorful things early in the season after yeah. you know the dreariness of winter yeah wow so the fact that you're doing all you're growing outdoors you have mm-hmm. nothing under cover no. right and then you're doing a lot of sort of direct to consumer retail mm-hmm. sales yeah. where are you doing your production like for weddings and all do you have a studio or i do it from home right now i do in theory have a studio in my garage and it's just you know like covered in in vessels pretty yeah. much yeah um, but yeah, everything is done from home. I do have a bedroom that I can utilize for that. I have an attic that I use for, you know, I have a growing space and then wow. a garage too that I use for growing space. For like seed starting? Yep. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking about doing hydroponic tulips this year in my basement, um, especially after the ASCFG conference and yeah. seeing, you know, um, Von Trapp flowers. I was like, oh yeah, we could... We could really get on board with that. <laughs> that Who needs a house? I can just turn my house into my yeah, greenhouse. Yeah, why not? You know. <laughs> I love that. Well, uh, what you mentioned tulips. So is that kind of your first crop of the season, D? And, like, yes. walk us through what are your highlight, your primary yeah. crops. Um, yeah, in the early springs, tulips, um, ranunculus, the big ones, anemones, you know, not so much. And then we kind of, I, I do some anemones, but I don't find, like, this year, the tulips and Ranunculus were really spectacular. I got like, you know, three and a half, wow. four foot tall ranunculus. Just really great just, yield, huh? Yeah, and it was um, incredible. Um, I mean, there's so many things. I had really great Orlea. I had a sea of Orlea this year. Um, I do lots of, I like stuff that's multi-use, so I have lots of, you know, uh, raspberries and, you know, blackberries. I love foliage and fruit using an arrangement I, I grow lots of native plants and so I love to incorporate those as well things that people have never seen sometimes I'll put seed heads in and I'm like you can you know you can plant these and you can grow your own native plants in your it's own garden or your own pot or you know um, even using stuff like basil you know I love when people come back and tell me oh you know I left it and it rooted and I right. planted it I'm like that's the ultimate in sustainability I cut this you enjoyed it as a flower you can use the leaves and then you can you know let it root and plant it oh. again i mean it's it's pretty incredible well it's like you're educating your customer while also making them kind of more invested in your business they're not going to probably 
start growing everything themselves and not no, buy your flowers. No, it, no. But they understand the process a yeah. little bit more. And I do, I find that a lot of my customers are gardeners themselves. I always find it funny, you know, I'll go to do a delivery and I'm like, this is an incredible garden here. And then I always, like I send messages, I'm like, um, your plants look amazing. You know, and I've just found it funny how even though these are people who clearly have their own flowers, etc., they still enjoy having those things that are unusual. Yeah. Like Lysianthus is one thing that people are like, I didn't know. And someone's saying, I didn't know. I grew these in Florida. I didn't know they could like grow here. And you know, just exposure yeah. to flowers that they may not have seen, things that are different from what they could get in the grocery store, or, you know, understand yeah. that, you know, we had the ability to grow these things too. That's so cool. cool. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the workshops. What are you teaching when you do the workshops? Are they at other locations? Yes, they are. So it's just like I do like a seasonal bouquet making workshop with whatever is available. So like I did a tulip one in the spring. I did one that was like primarily sunflower based in the summer and then like with you know fall on the way here I mean do like a wreath making workshop with, mm -hmm. with dried materials you know kind of keeping in the theme of the seasonality and, and using what's available and you're already starting to dry all those annuals yes. for summer so yeah I am I gotta that. cut the last of all the gumfrina and the marigolds and the jewels of opar and celosia and all that stuff that's kind of um you know come to it's end yeah <laughs> when you get home yes yeah <laughs> that's so cool um you mentioned the botanical garden i would love to hear about your relationship with the botanical garden sure uh, because it seems like a really special place yeah so um the norfolk botanical garden is uh kind of a, a rare gem it was a wpa project um as far as i know it's the only wpa botanical garden project wow. Wow. um it was um the land was dredged and then planted by black men and women, uh, 225 um, black men and women. I am on the President's Council for Inclusion and uh, Diversity there. And we put on an event every year in remembrance of those growers who planted this garden, but then because of segregation were not allowed to enter the garden for 30 plus years. So we have some, we know some of the names. We have 75 of the names of people who are there. Um, and we are always looking for more. So if anybody hears this and happens to know a story of, you know, one of those WPA gardeners. So it would be like maybe somebody's grandchild yes, today would yes. remember this. Someone's child, like another council member is, uh, her mom was the last surviving WPA gardener wow. that we know of and she wow. died like five years ago wow. um that's so special but yeah there's all this like oral history that has been lost some people didn't want to talk about it because it was too painful it, was, they did, it wasn't positive at yeah all. they did all this work and then they did not get to enjoy the fruits of their labor wow. and um it was a difficult subject to talk about as you can imagine so now uh our are there, I mean, I, I think this is happening in public gardens around the country, that they've been so white and so elite mm -hmm. that there's huge amounts of any community that aren't, you know, of any population that's not going to a public garden. Right. So are you trying to do outreach? We do education? have efforts towards outreach. The garden has lots of different open and free days. I know in our council, we've talked about ideas for how to get transportation, how to transport people who might not be able to get to the garden on their right, own. for sure. Um, There's no public transportation. That, that comes into the garden. So, you know, yeah. how do we get, you know, 
more marginalized members into the garden. Remove all those, uh, right? Right. Those barriers to entry, so to speak. Um, You know, uh, partnering with like local youth groups. Um, There are various projects that are kind of in the works and ideas that we're talking about. We also, I I need to review the email. We (laughs) we have started a green industry scholarship, and there was a lot of discussion about who we wanted it to be for. And we're not gonna. It's not gonna be like for somebody who's gonna be necessarily a traditional college student that is going to, you know, major in horticulture, right. etc. We wanted to open it up to people like me that may be a career switcher and may want the funds to attend a conference or to take a class or to do something else right. that's right. not necessarily the traditional path because there are lots of ways into, uh, you know, to enter this field and we don't want to exclude anybody. So we had lots of thoughtful conversation about how to do that and we're really lucky that the president of the botanical gardens is really um open-minded and supportive of, of all these projects on on or on board with our yeah company. and they're lucky to have you too because it sounds like you're bringing a whole different perspective to yes it. i think they're know. like having that you know having somebody who's actually working out in the, the field so to right, speak right. um you know rather than just um you know a checkbook gardener yeah 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 we need those two because they pay for a lot of things. Absolutely. But, but no, I love that. I'd love to visit someday. It sounds yeah. like a really remarkable place. Fantastic. And, uh, what, a, what an effort, too, to capture the history. There's lost history, but maybe through public publicity, mm-hmm. you'll start getting more, yes. more of those family stories. Yeah, and we are um, hoping to um, submit a uh, an exhibition for inclusion, hopefully at the... African American Museum of History and Culture. So it's oh, especially important when you're trying to, you know, really find those 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 stories um, to keep. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, you are doing another really special project that um, I just kind of, honestly, sometimes you just hang out on Instagram long enough, you start seeing what people are doing, and you started Black Farmer Black Flower Farmers Group. I did. And that what did you kind of first? Announce it on Instagram? I never announced it. Oh, I, it just sort of <laughs> snuck up on me. Yeah, I just, um, I just did the same thing like I did with my local collective. I started finding, you know, I was like, I know I'm not like the only black flower farmer. And so like, I just, hey, I, I, you're black and I'm black. You grow flowers <laughs> and I do too. And we sell those flowers. Would you like to be in my crew? And, um, so I did that, and then we just added more and more people. Um, the group is international. We have someone in Canada. We have someone in the UK. We have somebody in South Africa. That's and we're awesome. always, like, looking for more people. So if there are any black flower farmers that are not, you know, currently in the group, get in touch. Yeah. You yeah. know, like this summer when I went to the ASCFG conference, I realized that Southside Blooms was not in our group. And I was like, hey, why you get in here. How have you not been in our group? And it's really great. We have some really experienced growers like Mima from Urban Buds in there. There's another grower who's an entomologist. So we have like a bug expert in the group to, you know, help us. And and it's it's been really great. There are lots of younger growers in the group as well, which I find pretty cool that they are making their way in, you know. Right. um, Imagine if you had started 20 years ago, right? Yeah. You wouldn't have had a mentor. Yeah. Yeah. And they are making their way in um, an industry that, you know, has not typically been inclusive, not, you know, not by design, but just, you know, there are lots of black people that thought, you know, well, we got off the farm. 
or why are we yeah. kind of going back to that? Yeah. And so yeah. there's been a return to, you know, communing with the there's land and nature. I agree so much. It's like this claiming of your, um, well, your talents. And, yeah. and also just the idea that um, there's, I mean... I mean, black flower ladies are not new. Like, they no. were 100 years ago yeah. in the U.S. There were, you know, black women growing flowers and, and selling them. This is not, like, a, a new or novel concept, you know. Um, and so I really love that yeah. um, so many people are finding their way back. And I, I love the group. And I I love how eager everyone is to to help and include So you, you started this also like in COVID, right? This was like a I did. 2020? 2021, I think. Okay. Yeah, okay. A little, like a year and a half ago. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's even, amazing. And now you yeah. have a website and people can come yes. search by By location. state, yep. Um, and yeah, it shows our state, my country, and all the growers are listed. I need to update it. That's one of my winter projects. Um, but and, you are a one-woman one show there, right? <laughs> yes, yes. I'm, impr- I'm really <laughs> impressed, Dee. <laughs> I do have some other growing, I mean, I and I, I love the community because the other people will be like, hey, well, I can't give you time, but let me give you some money to contribute towards maintaining the website. Sure. And I'm like, really, you, you don't have to do that. Yeah. But I just love how much everybody wants to help each other, how to see each other succeed. If somebody goes in there and says, okay, I need to do this funeral arrangement and I've never done it before, what do I do? What do I need to do? Somebody will come in give you the advice that you're looking for and kind of so you know yeah just that kind of mentoring aspect is really great to have and i i just love how both of the communities i've created have kind of like morphed and grown and become these like really cool things on their own and you know occasionally i'll jump in there oh here's a grant i saw or whatever it is and you know it just kind of keeps going why do you think you're like that were you raised to be very kind of incredibly generous and inclusive yeah i i think um so i grew up with my mom and grandmother my grandmother was a lay horticulturalist she was a, a teacher home economics teacher but also heavily involved in art and the arts and i I always saw, even now, people will speak about her in Teacher Hall. Like, they have really fond memories of her. She passed five years ago. Um, And so I always, I had a family that was very, you know, generous and giving. Even now, when people show up to an event, I'm like, I'm not, we're related, but I'm not sure if we're actually related, but you've been here. I went to a funeral and someone was like, yeah, I went to your, the hospital with your mom when she was in labor. I'm like, oh, hi, stranger. <laughs> I don't know, but that's a cool story. Thanks. Um, you I know. mean, it's kind of sweet that yes. there's this, this investment in, yes. in you. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so I always saw how much my grandmother helped people. She also did, you know, she did flowers. So she did, like, arranging on the side. She would go to the UK and like sneak cuttings back. Oh, you, you so know. get this legitimately. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> she in your DNA. Yes, yeah. She um, like would import roses from the UK. My mom remembers them coming by on coming, you know, on a boat in the fifties wow. when she was a kid. And my grandmother, they had a sandy lot originally, and so she had to truck in all the soil because it was on an island, St. Lucia, and it was all sand, right? So they had to bring in the soil That's to crazy. build this garden that still exists my mom's down there right now it still exists and it's still gorgeous even after her par- passing and that's one of the things i really love about gardens is their ability to live on and a family friend that i grew up with in new york and she called me yesterday she always has plants and she's like 
I had this box of hollyhocks, and it was the, one of the last things I talked to your grandmother about was hollyhocks and how much she wanted them. I'm going to send you this box of hollyhocks. And I, I mean, I love that, that I have all of these remembrances, and other people remember her so for beautiful. these different things. And she's like, the only thing I ask is that when I'm ready, you know, you can just give me some cuttings, which is like the gardener's way of sharing, it's right? It's like kind of pass over the fence kind Yes, of. and I, I mean, I have that in my neighborhood, too. Like, I, I love propagation. I propagate lots of hydrangea, and so, like... I have a hydrangea that my neighbor's mom gave him. And so I grew a lot of those and I've given them now to other neighbors. And so now this plant that was given to him by his mom is like popping up in gardens all over the neighborhood. And I love that. That's one of the things I really love. I find gardeners and flower farmers to be so generous um, with their time, with their knowledge. You know, I came up for this wedding and I just posted on Instagram like, hey, I'm coming to town. I need XYZ. Someone said, oh, yeah, my friend is there. What do you need? Got me hooked up with a florist that let me borrow, like, all her supplies. Thank you, Sarah. For oh. you know, She was like, just, she put everything out in the box on her porch. I picked it up, and then I dropped it off after the wedding. And, you know, that yeah. was that. Like, the generosity of a stranger who doesn't know me from anybody. who's just like, sure, I can I can help you. And, you know, just the, the knowledge. I think we all just know I'm doing this for this person, and I know they'll pay it forward in some way. Yeah. So. Pay it forward. That's a really good theme. I mean, that's truly what you're doing. Yeah. I just am so glad that I got to spend this time with you and share you. share your story. Yeah. And um, we're talking about trying to get you back for the Slow Flower Summit. So yes. that will be announced in the future. Yes. Um, anything else you want to touch on that I didn't ask you about? Um, no, I think that about covers all <laughs> my floral-related. I mean, we could go deep <laughs> in, yes. into your... <laughs> my floral-related yeah, endeavors. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dee. This has been really Thank great. Thank you for having me. Oh, my treat. Yeah. And we'll share when we do our podcast uh, show notes at soulflowerspodcast.com. I'll be sure to hit Dee up for photos, too, so you can see some of her flowers and her arrangements, especially from this wedding you just yes. did. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today. I so admire the leadership, gifts, and talents that Dee brings to our Slow Flowers community, and I hope you get to know her. You'll want to visit slowflowerspodcast.com to watch the replay video of today's conversation. Look for episode 584. We'll also post a gorgeous gallery of photos that Dee has shared, as well as links to Mermaid City Flower Farm's social places, so you can follow along with Dee on her floral journey. Our next sponsor thanks goes to Storic Cold, creators of the revolutionary CoolBot, a popular solution for flower farmers, studio florists, and farmer florists. Save thousands when you build your own walk-in cooler with the CoolBot and an air conditioner. If you don't have time to build your own, they also have turnkey units available. Learn more at storeitcold.com. Hey, I've got lots of fun announcements and opportunities to share this week. First, the Slow Flowers annual member survey opened on November 1st and continues through December 2nd. And we'd love for you to take a few moments to answer our questions. You can find the link in today's show notes for episode 584 at slowflowerspodcast.com. 
I've also got a link in our Instagram profile at Slow Flower Society. Your name will be entered into a drawing for two great thank you gifts, a complimentary premium level membership for one year, valued at $249, and a complimentary 2023 Slow Flower Summit registration, valued at approximately $750. Those dates are June 26th and 27th, 2023, and the summit will be held in Seattle. As I mentioned, to be included in the drawing, you must complete the survey by December 2nd and share your name and contact information on the form. Next, hot off the press, have you seen our newest edition of Slow Flowers Journal? The fall edition of our digital quarterly magazine is gorgeous and packed with inspiring and informative stories, essays, floral designs, and creative resources. The Slow Flowers Journal is a Garden.com Gold Award-winning publication, and the subscription is free for Slow Flowers members. We're sharing free access to the fall issue, and you can find the link in today's show notes and in our Instagram profile link at Slow Flower Society. But starting next year, non-members will be asked to subscribe. So check it out now and enjoy. Our final sponsor thank you goes to the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. Formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. Thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor downloaded more than 900,000 times by listeners like you. And thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show or our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowersociety.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more slow flowers on the table, one stem, one base at a time. I'll see you then. Thank you.